following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. And good evening to our wonderful audience that's watching online. For you that are visiting here tonight or have not been accustomed to what we are doing, we have First Wednesday, and that's communion night, and it's, it's, it's open house church, and people come. And then the next three weeks or the next four weeks, how many Wednesday nights we have, we just have online church. And we've been doing this since March the 15th, online church. Now, we've always had online church, but we've always had people in the house. But it has been a brand new frontier for us. It's been a brand new dimension for us here at the church. But I want to stop right now and say, you folks that were in this house tonight heard some wonderful, wonderful harmonic singing in this house tonight. I just think it was incredible. You don't have to clap. I'm going to clap for you. I'm going to clap for you. Vince, Annabeth, Cassidy, and uh, Randy, our, our praise and worship director for the last 13 years. What a joy. What a, what a great product on a night when we could have just kind of slid by. Just kind of said, let's do it easy tonight. But no, no, our production team don't do that. They, they prepare, they get ready, and they bring their very best. And for that, I believe God is pleased. And I think the Lord is wanting us to know that He is showing His favor to us because we don't ever just try to slip by. We give the best we have every time we come to the house of God. And I'm very grateful to pastor a church like that that comes ready we have young men back in the room back here that is making sure that this all goes out right. And if you're watching for the first time at home tonight, I won't be lengthy. I really, really won't. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of dovetail on what I preached last week or spoke and taught on last week. We're doing a series called Seeing and Stepping and then Stabilizing. And we're doing them one in October, one was in November. We'll do the other one in December. But let me just stop and say this before I go into my message tonight, which will be a little dovetail on, on, on the fact of what I preached last week, and that is stepping. Next door is flying, folks. It, they, I, I've never seen a building coming together so swiftly on the inside as that one is. We're already talking carpet. We're talking flooring. Uh, we're talking paint colors. It's getting there. And we're going to be in that building as a Christmas present to Jesus and as a Christmas present to Austin and as a Christmas present to ourself on December the 20th to have our first service before Christmas. I just think that's cool. I think that's so cool. And what a joy. I mean, they're, they're, they're working on Saturdays and Sundays. They're working 12, 16-hour days. They said, Pastor, we're going to get this thing ready. We're going to get this church prepared, and you're going to love it. And if some of you want to go see the work that's been done since last week, it'll blow your mind. It really, really will. Every week is just a new adventure for us. I had four tours that I, I presented today. My wife calls me the church salesman. She said, I'm over there selling people on the church. No, the church selling itself. Because what a joy to see something so beautiful. 1,700 seats will be there. We'll be able to fill the place up at least a couple of times on Sunday. We're excited about that. What a joy. And what a joy to be here with you tonight. As you stand, I want to salute the veterans today. My dad was a World War II veteran. He left school in his junior year in high school to go fight a war. 
to fight a war against Hitler, to fight a war against the Japanese, to fight a war. And he was in the Navy, and he was a tremendous man. When he came home, he and my mom found each other, and I'm so glad they did because I loved both of them. They're both gone now. But what a joy to have a father like him. He never talked about, most, most certainly never bragged about his war accomplishments, but he was a mighty warrior in war. He was a gunner on a ship, on an aircraft carrier on a ship. He, he protected, he protected the, the kamikaze pilots coming in. He protected us from them. And they were trying to destroy those ships by bombing them with their own planes. But Dad was able with other men to bring those men to a, a halt before they got to the ship. Not one ship that he was ever on sank because he was a protector of America. And I love my dad, and he told me one time that when I do a funeral, if I ever do a funeral for someone that's been in the military and there's a flag on that casket, he said it doesn't matter who they were or what they were, when they defended the country, they were great enough to be talked about for a long time. And so I thank my dad for those kind of words of encouragement and words of strength to me, and I will see him one day. So happy Veterans Day, guys. Happy Veterans Day, ladies. What a joy. You that have served and you that are serving now, we wish you the very best. This, this message gets around the globe, and so we got people listening everywhere. So happy Veterans Day. <laughs> we love you. Come on, let's say it, folks. Happy Veterans Day. All right, all right. I want to speak on the subject tonight, fresh oil, fresh oil, fresh oil. David said in Psalms 92, but my horn shall thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. In the New Revised Standard Version, same verse, but you have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox, <laughs> and you have poured over me fresh oil. But the New Century Version made it even better. You made me as strong as an ox because you have poured oils on me. I believe the strength of the child of God comes in the anointing of fresh oil. Fresh oil. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the preacher, and I hope he doesn't last long. All right, you may be seated. You may be seated. God bless. I love this funny little story. I like to start with a funny little story. A recent church buffet line had a Sunday buffet, and next to the apples was a sign that read, Apples, please only take one per person. Remember, God is watching. A little fur further down the line, next to the cookie, someone had scrawled with a crayon. <laughs> a child said, Cookies, take all you want. God's watching the apples. Or how about a three-year-old who was caught sitting on a kitchen counter eating cookies, and he said, I just climbed up to smell them, and my tooth got caught. <laughs> the smell of fresh-baked cookies is one of my most inviting smells that is, there is to me. It shouts welcome. It shouts home. It shouts love. And it doesn't even have to be home-baked cookies. Even a bag of Oreos can evoke that feeling for many. I'm guilty. I have a confession. There's a lot of people that love surf and turf. I love milk and munch. I really do. A glass of milk is never complete without an Oreo cookie to munch on 
or an Oreo cookie to munch on is never complete without a glass of milk unless one has some bluebell vanilla ice cream. <laughs> I hadn't said that in a while, so I thought I'd just have a little fun tonight. Please forgive me. I needed that. Thanks for indulging me. Acts 13, 22, the word calls David a man after God's own heart. He was continually, David was continually chasing the heart and the mind of his creator. He had a need to please his Lord. He desired fellowship and community with God. God has to love that kind of heart. He really does. Because he blessed David abundantly and he blessed him continually. Because God loves God chasers. He loves people that go after him. David wrote poetry like this in Psalms 42, as a heart pants after the water brook, so pants my soul after you, O God. Psalms 27, 4, he said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to, the, to, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The reason behind that verse was that there's a verse in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 23 and 2 in the New Living Translation said, if a person is illegitimate by birth, in other words, if there's an illegitimate birth, neither he nor his descendants for 10 generations may be admitted to the assembly of the Lord. In Matthew 1, you'll read the genealogy of Jesus as it is written. Matthew 1 says that Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah, the father of Phares and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. There was an illicit relationship between a father and his daughter-in-law to produce those twins. And so that illicit relationship hamstring those Jewish people from going to the house of the Lord for 10 generations. And Phares became the father of Hezron. And Hezron became the father of Ram. And Ram became the father of Amenadab. And Amenadab became the father of Nation. And Nation became the father of Salmon. And Salmon became the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. And Boaz became the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. And Obed became the father of Jesse. And Jesse became the father of King David. Ten generations. David was the first in ten generations that could go to the house of the Lord. So he wrote this, I was glad. When they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Anybody here happy that you're in the house of the Lord even on a non-church night? Aren't you happy to be in the house of the Lord tonight? No king, no king ever spoke of the anointing like King David. No king. It was almost like he was obsessed with the anointing, the oil of God. He had a yearning for God's presence as great or greater perhaps than even Moses who led the Israelites out of Egypt. David was anointed three times in his kingship, once at his father Jesse's house by Samuel the prophet, then when he was anointed to be king of Judah in Hebron, the southern kingdom, and the third time as a king of Israel in Hebron. But no other king in the Old Testament ever said, no other king ever said, I desire some more of that fresh anointing oil. I want more. David was a man who longed, 
can I say, for affirmation of the Lord. He wanted to be affirmed again and again. So what made David so pleading and so proactive about the fresh oil of the Lord? What made him want to be anointed continually? I'm glad you asked, even though you didn't. First, let me state, a person who was called of God was anointed with oil in the Old Testament and set apart for special responsibilities. The anointing prepared and made ready for the service of God. Moses in Psalms 133 poured oil over Aaron's head, went down into his beard and his robe for the consecration of service for the high priest. Samuel anointed David with oil, authenticating his selection by God as the one who would perform great duties as king of Israel for 40 years. And Elijah the prophet anointed two kings, Hazel, and he anointed Jehu and a prophet named Elisha with oil, setting him apart for special responsibilities. Even Jesus, when he began his public ministry at his inaugural address, chose the anointing passage from Isaiah 61 and 1. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the afflicted. When a king was anointed in those days, he was anointed with six quarts. That's a gallon and a half of oil. That's blubber time, folks. That'll make you blubber. You get some of that up your nose, you're in trouble. That oil was poured on them greatly. It wasn't a trickle. It was massive outpouring. As if God is saying, you want to do great? You want to be set apart? You want to be used for my glory? Let my fresh oil get on you. Let the anointing that I want to pour on you get on you. So what made David so reckless and continually asking about fresh oil? Simply put, and here's what I want to preach about tonight. Simply put, David was a shepherd king. He wasn't, he wasn't an olive king. He wasn't a berry king. He wasn't somebody who was a farmer king. He was a shepherd king. Everybody say shepherd king. He was a shepherd king. He was a shepherd to a flock. But he understood he was also a sheep to the great shepherd, the Almighty. Let me speak on the subject of fresh oil now, if you don't mind. Before I do, i got to tell you one more little funny story. Two old men were talking about their health problems at church one evening. And one of them said, my dude doctor doesn't just treat the symptoms, he treats both mind and the body. Really, the second man smiled and thought for a moment, then he asked, does he give discounts if the mind is already gone? <laughs> you don't have to look for a discount today in your house or in this house. God's grace is abundant. God's grace is saving. God's grace can heal us. God's grace can deliver us. Oh, when you need something from heaven, you need to ask for the grace of God to come into your life. And this church is built on the theme, give grace a chance. We believe that everybody that walks in this house that does not know the Savior that we preach about can find the grace of God in their life and in their heart and they can have a U-turn and do a 180 and go the other direction. God's grace is for everyone. Clap your hands for that, not for me, but for him. Or as Joey and Dennis the Menace were leaving the Wilson house one day with cookies in hand, 
Dennis says to Joy, Mrs. Wilson gives you cookies because she is a nice person, not because you're nice. And I will tell you that God does his favor on people, not because we always do the right thing, but because he's a great God. And that's why I love to preach about him when I get up here and talk about the goodness and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. The 23rd Psalm is a powerful chapter. Verse 5 says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. My cup runs over. You know, David went from a cup to a well, and from a well to a, to a river, and from a river to an ocean. He just kept making God bigger and bigger and bigger in his life. The first thing I want to tell you is that God's table provides many things. I'm glad you have your feet slid up under the table tonight hearing the word of the Lord because God's table provides nourishment. Do you believe that? Yes. Nourishment. God's table provides opportunity for growth. You eat and you'll grow. God's table provides a place of fellowship. I love fellowship of God's people. I love fellowship outside of God's people. I just love fellowship. The fourth thing is God's table provides a sense of security. Doesn't it feel nice and safe in the house of God? Doesn't it feel good to be in the sanctuary tonight, even though there's a small number here? And it, it also provides a sense of abundance. There seems to be an abundance, and it's a place of belonging, and it's a place of acceptance. And I love the fact that all that happens at the table that God sets for all of us. He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I thank God we're all invited to sit at his table. We don't sit here because we're perfect. We sit here because of his grace. We sit here because of his acceptance. Not because we deserve a spot, but because we accepted the invitation to sit at his table. And I want to sit here for the rest of my days. I'm like Mephibosheth. I might have come crippled, but I'm not going to leave here for the rest of my life because he has blessed me so abundantly. Does anybody want to share with me and praising him for the abundance of grace and blessing in your life? Then David said, then David said, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. You know, we just passed it, but summertime for sheep or any animal can be a very rough time. It's known as fly time. It's when the flies are thick. You that have raised animals know what I speak about. Sheep face unbelievable enemies in certain seasons. What comes to mind is wild animals like lions and bears and even wolves, all predators of sheep. In fact, David in the book of Kings killed a lion with his bare hands. And he killed a bear with his bare hands because they were trying to devour the sheep. However, Sheep face another enemy that many of us do not think about too much and too often because they are so small. These creatures make the sheep's life miserable. Let me name a few of these enemies. One is the warble flies. The warble flies. They're stout woolly flies. And the larvae that they produce produce more warbles in sheep and other animals. Then there are deer flies. They have a plague-like disease that they cause by a bacterium. And Mosquitoes and gnats also gang around that when those deer flies come. 
And last but not least, there are nasal or what we call nose flies that sheep have to put up with. They attack the nasal passage of sheep and they lay their eggs on the damp mucous membrane of the sheep's nose. And when successful, the eggs will hatch and form a small, slender, worm-like larva that will slip up the nasal passage, it sounds gross, I'm sorry, into the sheep's head, causing severe irritation to the sheep. The sheep thinks he's losing, she's losing her mind. And to get relief, a sheep will beat their head against a tree or rub their head hard against a rock, causing excess pain to the, to the animal. Been known to kill many of them. But there is an antidote. There is an antidote. When a shepherd sees this in his flock, he brings in what is called linseed oil, sulfur and tar, and smears it all over the sheep's head and rubs it, pardon me, up into his nose. Once the oil is applied to the sheep's head, there's an immediate change in the animal's behavior. The aggravation is gone. The irritability is gone. And the animal, for the first time in many, many days, can lay down and rest in green pastures. Many here tonight and watching online are not bothered by the lion. They're not bothered by the wolf. They're not bothered by the bear. But it's the little foxes that spoil the tender branches. It's the warble fly, the deer fly. It's the nasal fly. In fact, Satan has many, many names. He's called the great dragon. He's called the devil. He's called the enemy of man. But one of the things that he's called from the Philistines was he's called Beelzebub, which means the Lord of the flies. Satan wants to affect and get in our mind and take us away from the presence of God and cause us not to enjoy the benefits and the blessings of being saved in the kingdom. But I declare to you tonight, David said, I want to be anointed with some fresh oil because I know when the oil comes on my head, things start happening in my life and I can lay down like a good sheep in green pastures and be restored. Oh, hallelujah. Proverbs 23 and 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. See, Satan is doing everything within his power to gain control over your mind. I wrote this. The devil doesn't mind what he can torment you with so long as he can torment you. He doesn't mind what it is as long as he can torment you. Because he is the tormentor of the people of God. He played with Eve's mind in the garden. He played with David's mind when he was on his rooftop and he saw a lady bathing. He even played with the mind of Christ. For 40 days he tempted the Messiah with mind games. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And all this took place in Jesus' mind. This is where all temptation starts is right here. I preach this a lot in this church, but it's right here. That's why we have to put on the whole armor of God, that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, 
Take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, take in the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation." And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray it always with all prayer, supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication of the saints. Helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit. There's nothing like having a helmet of salvation that says, I know who I am. I know He saved me. I know I'm on my way to heaven. I know he's not going to leave me. That's what the helmet's all about, to protect you from the fiery darts of the wicked one because he wants to destroy your mind and then the sword of the Spirit to fight back. Take the Word of God and say, not today, devil, and not tomorrow, and not the next day. Try me on the fourth day. By the time the fourth day gets here, it'll be the third day. And you're not going to mess with me on any third day because Jesus came out of the ground on the third day and resurrection happened. And I'm going to celebrate that every day of my life. We must take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So what are, what are you allowing to buzz around your head? Are you allowing impure sexual thoughts? Are you fantasizing about things in your life? He tries to insert thoughts of bitterness. The enemy tries to bring anger and make you angry and depression and oppression and suppression and hopefully possession. He tries to bring doubt to you. He tries to bring unbelief to you. He tries to bring fear and anxiety to you. He tries to bring guilt. He tries to bring low self-esteem and jealousy because he is the enemy. He's Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies. And many say, what can I do, Pastor? I'm being bothered by some of these things on a regular basis. My mom used to have a statement, and it went like this, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep him from building a nest in your hair. And I guess when birds tried to build nests in my hair, I whipped them, and that's why I don't have any hair left. So there's no hair to build a nest now. John 8, said, the devil is a liar. Would you say it with me? The devil is a liar and the father of lies. John 8, 32 said, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Hallelujah. Truth does not free you from addictions and doubts and fears and insecurities, but it frees you to make a choice. A choice, do I want to stay here or do I want to get better? It restores your free will. And hell will lay, will, will lay lying eggs in your mind that will hatch. And he will tell you that you do not belong to the kingdom of God. And listening to his lies, I'm sorry I'm preaching this a little now, will stop your cup from overflowing. And somehow some, lost their joy, they've lost their peace, they've lost their faith. And it's beginning to waver even that God cares about them. This war, this pandemic war has gone longer than we ever imagined it would. But I promise you the God that was with us when we went into this is going to be with us when we come out of this. The God that was for us on March the 15th when we first had online church only 
And the God that is going to be with us when we get all this behind us is the God that's with us right now. I think we need to celebrate that, that he's with us right now. Right now. He has not left you. He has not left you. I read somewhere a long time ago that when a man is captured by an enemy, if, he's a, if he, he was a military man, and to all of our veterans, you could probably help me with this, that when he goes into a prison, he goes in a captain. When he comes out maybe seven years later, like the Hanoi Hilton did back in Vietnam, he comes out a captain. You don't lose your rank and file when you get captured by the enemy. You come out the same as what you was when you went in because America believes in that. And I'm telling you, there is a Jesus that's not going to demote you, not going to put you under, not going to sell out on you if something happens to your mind that causes you to doubt and have fears and anxieties. You come out of that, you're going to be greater than you ever were when you went in because He's that kind of God. So here's what I want to say. The enemy will try to steal your hope. And you're saying, what can I do, Pastor? If you're ever going to learn to live right, you're going to have to learn to think right. John 10 and 10 said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life, and that more abundantly. Some of us need to tell Satan, buzz off. That's funny to me. I wrote it, so I laughed at it. You'll laugh when you get home. You're just too embarrassed to laugh right now. The good shepherd wants to anoint our heads with oil. He wants to anoint us. Jesus bled from seven places when he was crucified. And three of them were from the head. He bled from his brow in the garden of Gethsemane. His, blood, his sweat became his great drops of blood. He bled from his face when they plucked his beard. And he bled from his skull when they put the crown of thorns on him. God has an antidote. The blood and the oil, which is the spirit. The blood and the oil, which is his spirit. See, when lepers were cleansed in the Old Testament, the blood was applied by the priest to three areas. First was the right ear. They put blood on this ear, symbolic of the mind and the will of the mind. Then they put blood on the right thumb, Symbolic of the work. And then they put blood on the right big toe. Symbolic of a person's walk. Then they would apply oil to all these parts. To the earlobe, to the thumb, and to the toe. One was for cleansing. Everybody say cleansing. The blood still cleanses. And the other was for the anointing. To not only know that you have been cleansed. Now you have the oil of the anointing to walk on in victory. So the anointing is something we all need to seek. Hear this, Pastor. The only thing that destroys the yoke is the anointing. It's the anointing. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to anoint some heads tonight with fresh oil. There's a scripture in Luke chapter 11. I'm using a lot of word tonight. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give... Will, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Luke eleven thirteen said, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Hallelujah. 
you know, when you're going through crisis, why don't you raise your hand and say, Lord, let the Holy Spirit come. Let him come and minister to me right now. I need the ministering power of the Holy Spirit. That is the fresh oil that God wants to pour on all of us is the Holy Spirit in our life. Clap your hands and say amen to that. The tabernacle in the Old Testament, one of the pieces of furniture was the holy place or the golden lamp. The golden lampstand didn't burn by consumption like a candle, but it burned by a constant supply of oil. It was the high priest's job to fill the lampstand with a daily basis of oil, the daily uh, uh, amount of oil. And Eli, the priest in the book of Samuel, failed to keep the golden lampstand filled with oil. And the Bible says the lamp of God was going out. And that's why God called Samuel before the lamp went out. Somebody had to pour the oil in the lamp so the lamp could burn. And the lamp stands as a picture of Christ, but it's also a picture of us. For 30 years in this church, we have attempted to put oil in your vessel every time you've come to the house of God. We have attempted to preach the presence of God and the Holy Ghost anointing in your life. We've attempted that. Because we believe that the Holy Spirit is not some third member that's in the basement. We believe that the Holy Spirit's hour is right now. This is His hour. And the reason blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is so deadly is because it's the last train out. The Father created it all. The Son redeemed it all. But the Holy Ghost emancipates us all and sets us free from all the things that wants to hold us back. Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit is here right now? Aren't you glad the presence of God is in the house? We can't afford to run out of oil. We can't afford. In Matthew 25, there's a powerful parable of ten virgins. And I'm closing. Five of them were wise. and Five of them were foolish. They were all virgins. They were all pure. But the only difference, they were waiting for the bridegroom. While he delayed, they all slumbered. But at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go you out to meet him. And they all jumped to their feet and began to trim their lamps. But the foolish virgins had no oil. That's the only difference, folks, is that the wise had oil. The foolish didn't have any oil. That's the only difference. It's oil. So both of them, all ten of them were clean. Both sides were clean, pure, godly girls, virgins, virtuous people. But five had oil and five didn't have any oil. And that was the difference. And in Matthew 25 and 10, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. It's Wednesday. Some listening tonight at home and even in-house need a mind renewing. You need to get the Lord of the flies out of your mind because he wants to take control right here. Pastor, I've allowed the enemy to lay some eggs in my mind and he's driving me crazy with doubt and with anger and with insecurity and with fear and depression, with impure thoughts and bitterness but we need to be like the shepherd king David. Lord, I need to be anointed with fresh oil. That's what I want, fresh oil. And I want my cup to overflow. I don't want a trickle. I don't want just a drop. I don't want just somebody to put a sign of a cross on my head with their oil. I want to be anointed with oil. I want to be anointed. 
you know, folks, I know this sounds so crazy, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to spot me with some of you folks, and you think I'm crazy. But I, 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 I one day wanted to see what six quarts felt like being poured over your head, and I did it to myself. It was a long time ago. It's, it's before I had sense. I've been preaching 50 years. And I poured it on my head, and I blubbered. And I was so oiled up. I don't think anything would have stuck on me. It just all flied off. It just flew away. And I stood there for a long time. Then I started crying. Started weeping. And years ago, I brought out six quarts of oil to the church and showed what it was and how it was and put a young man in a, a little plastic swimming pool thing and put a shield over his head and poured six quarts on him. And he was looking like, is that, you, you about done? He had goggles and he was, I was pouring it on him. Because there's something powerful about God. When you, when you ask for the anointing, he's not going to just give you a drop or two. He's going to overwhelm you. He's going to bless you mightily because he's God. And he can do that. And there's no shortage of his oil. There's no shortage of his power. There's no shortage of his grace. And there is no shortage of his care for us. It's 8.32. I'm two minutes over and I apologize for that, kind of. Not really. But I heard a, I think a good way to finish this message tonight. I heard a beautiful story about a young man in college that was in a logics class. And the professor said, all right, guys, girls, we're going to have the final on Friday. And said, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a break. He said, I want you all, if you want to, to bring an 11, and a half, 11 by 8 and a half sheet of paper. You can bring it with anything you want to write on it, any kind of help you want from that sheet of paper you can do to pass this test. And so one of those students was pretty bright. He had an uncle. He had an uncle that was extremely awesome in logic. In fact, he was a logic professor. And he had a size 10 shoe. And he brought his uncle. He put the paper in the floor and brought his uncle to class that day. And he put his size 10 shoe on that 11-inch paper. And gave the boy everything you wanted to know about that logic test. He didn't break the rules, and he aced the test. Here's the theorem. Here's the theorem. You get close to Jesus. You get close to the one that has the answers, and you'll ace the final. You'll make it in the final. You'll get there. It's not about knowing this and knowing that. It's getting close to the one that can take care of us and can help us, and that's what David did. Fill my cup, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Help me, Lord. I need to be anointed with fresh oil. My mind is losing, and I want victory in my soul. Would you stand all over the building? I've asked the praise team to come back tonight and to, uh, and to sing a little bit. And I'd, I'd like for us to do something for about three or four minutes here, if you don't mind. I'd like for you to raise your hand at the house that you're in, the home that you're in. Maybe your children are there. You could join hands with your kids and raise your hand. There's a lot of people watching us tonight. And I'd like for us to close the service with our hands lifted up 
and sing into the Lord this precious song. Sing, guys. Sing, guys. Anointing. Anointing. Fall on me. Sing it now. tonight I'm so honored to be called one of your kids I truly love you I'm so happy that you have been there for me in my journeys thank you for being there for me in my trials thanks for being there for me in the tough days thanks for being with us here tonight on this Wednesday on Veterans Day, 11, 11, 20. Thank you for it. We honor you, Jesus, because we know you are the gift of life to us. There's nobody like you, nobody beside you, nobody with you. You're august, you're real, you're genuine, and you want to give us the best that we could ever ask for. So, Lord, we're asking you to pour a fresh anointing on us Let us wake up in the morning with a fresh anointing in our life. With a fresh anointing in our life. Fresh oil. Drive out all the flies and all the mosquitoes and all the bugs. Drive them out of our mind, God. Let us lay down and have rest. Let us lay down and have rest and know that we know that we are in the kingdom of God Almighty and nothing's going to separate us from your love. We love you, Jesus. Now bless this congregation tonight as we depart the premises. Take care of us, watch over us, and protect us from COVID. Protect us, oh God, from this pandemic. And keep us, keep us in your hand. Keep us in your hand. Don't let coronavirus have a way in our life and a say in our future. But walk with us and be with us in Jesus' name. Raise your hands one more time and let's sing it. Anointing Fall on me Sing it now Anointing Yeah Oh Let the power of the Holy Ghost Fall on me Anointing Fall Can you sing it with us now one more time Oh, no. 
you tonight. Wow. Thank you for letting me teach the gospel to you tonight. It's an honor to be with you, you folks that come during these off weeks. You bless us because for seven, eight months we preached to bare walls. It's not fun talking to bare walls. I'd rather talk to a man setting up that was dead as to talk to bare walls. And you folks are alive. And I love you. Have a great night. We'll see you Sunday, 9, 10, 30 at noon. Three options. We'll have great church Sunday. Sing us out of here, kids. Sing us out of here. Sing us out of here. God bless. Good night. Good night. Good night. Anointing.